I couldn't be more excited to be your tag team partner at WrestleMania. But nothing what you've gone through over the last three years. But over the past three weeks, I've been through a couple things myself. I was hospitalized with diverticulitis, staph infection, and an umbilical hernia courtesy of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. But I have also been medically cleared. So I like to say that this Sunday, you and I are going to give it every single thing we got, and that's our promise this Sunday at WrestleMania. Are you guys ready to see Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon beat the holy hell out of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania? As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. We want to smack down. We want to smack down. We want to smack down. everybody and welcome to Rewind to Smackdown. It's John Pollock and waiting just hours before we will be getting on board a airplane. How are you, Way? I'm good. Um, I'm good. Um, I think I'm just uh, looking forward to getting on the plane to sleep and then getting to New Orleans um, to sleep. <laughs> for, uh, for That's my goal on Wednesday is to sleep because... Yeah. Yeah, we, me and Wei have an extremely early flight on Wednesday morning that by the time we are done this show, um, it's almost pointless to try and sleep uh, because oh, yeah, completely. it would probably equal like 45 minutes before. Honestly, for one- me, I think it's a bit of a – it's going to be a bit of a rush to see if, if the show can be uploaded and I still have to pack. So, oh, um, yeah, we'll make it. I'm a very light packer. Well, we have – one final uh, night of WWE television to go through. And then at the end of the show, we will quickly go through the WrestleMania card. How quick? Well, that depends how fast we get through this. Because as you can see, we are clearly on a deadline to get this show yeah. done. Uh, Before we go on, I, should we mention what is coming up for people who are not aware? Oh, of course. Uh, well, is there anything happening this weekend that comes to mind? Um, okay, I don't even UFC. have time for the bad jokes. Yeah, we. Hey, I'm really intrigued by this UFC card. It's, Me too. Actually, it's insane. This main event. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's the Alana uh, uh, Namajunas match that I really want to see too. Yeah, it's a very good card beyond just uh, this bizarre main event that has come together on six days' notice. But of course, it is WrestleMania week. As we mentioned, we are going to be off to New Orleans and. All of our stuff is kicking off on Thursday night where Way and I are hosting the podcast panel at Wale Mania at Republic New Orleans. And then it is a lot of wrestling in a very uh, concentrated amount of time. Starting on Friday where we are going to be watching Rev Pro, the WWN Super Show, and then Joey Janela's Spring Break all consecutively. And then Saturday we've got Progress, Ring of Honor, Super Card of Honor event, all capped off by WrestleMania and way we are going to have many shows coming uh, via our trip down to New Orleans. Yeah, so that's just what John and I are doing. But of course, uh, those of you who want a review of NXT TakeOver, we got our friends Braden and Dave who are going to take care of that up on up next. So do subscribe to that. 
Uh, as well, I want to let everybody know, for those of you who have been checking it out on our Patreon, patreon.com slash postwrestling, we started using Patreon Lens, which is yes. a new Snapchat feature. Uh, I've been testing it out all day. People who uh, are signed up can get an early glimpse at the post-wrestling t-shirts, 300 of which that I just picked up today. Uh, so, and then, uh, yeah, a whole bunch of other things. I'm really looking forward to it. I'll be documenting the entire trip there in video form. So, uh, it's available for all patrons at postwrestlingcafe.com. Go check it out. We've also got uh, a tremendous video that Wei Ting put together. Uh, that's way more entertaining than what we just went over without the usage of text or music. I'm almost hesitant to take, uh, uh credit because um, I really, uh, I don't know if I want to. I'll tell you though. Okay, so yeah, if, for those of you who are unaware, uh, last night we recorded a video, John and myself, uh, promoting a lot of the stuff that you just heard us talk about. And we decided to do it in a, a very familiar form format uh, to all of you fans of WWE. Um, and I'll just say, uh, it was way more work than I anticipated. And so I have, I feel like I have a whole new appreciation for for these ridiculous promos that we've been watching for weeks and weeks yes so you can go to any of our outlets to watch this video uh and watch um the latest entrance into the forthcoming mixed race challenge oh john pollock and waiting all right are we, are we all set now to dive into smackdown is there anything that we are leaving oh i think everybody who, who knows us knows what's going on let's let's get into the show yeah, I don't think we've been hitting people over the head this hard since our Bludgeon Brother promo, so yeah. we have to uh, take a break Literally. here from all this uh, all this promoting. Uh, though, we would get a Bludgeon Brothers cameo on this show. They were in Nashville, Tennessee on Tuesday night at the Bridgestone Arena, and this is Jeff Jarrett's hometown. And this was Jeff Jarrett's first WWE event he attended since leaving the company in 1999. 19 years hmm. between shows. Interesting. And he did this. They, I guess they're following him around for these uh, WrestleMania week video diaries on WWE.com. So they put some clips up on Tuesday night. And he's describing to the camera that it's ironic that he left in 1999 in Cleveland. And he's back here in Nashville, his, his city. And I can't even find a coincidence yeah. to that. Like... Yeah, you're attending a show that's in your hometown that has no connection to Cleveland. Um, I don't know what's ironic about that. Like, it could have been, if it wasn't Nashville, it would be whatever other city is your hometown. Like, you're going to this event strictly for the fact that it's probably within driving distance. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to make the association between Cleveland and either Jeff Jarrett or Nashville, and I can't, I can't. I can't, for the life of me, figure even the beginning of, of that thread. I have no idea what was so ironic, coincidental about this. Um, I mean, if they were in Cleveland, I would give them a pass on the irony. I would be like, okay, okay, we've got it. I understand. Hmm. You're back in Cleveland all these years later, but you're not. So anyway, maybe he'll explain it Friday during his speech. Daniel Bryan started the show. Crowd loved loves this man. And he brings out Shane McMahon dancing. Shane McMahon, who uh, was just released from hospital Tuesday. Is that right? Um, uh, he was apparently discharged last Tuesday. Okay. And 
and then dances coming out here and then jokingly grabs his stomach like <laughs> like he's doing a comedy routine well what what is going on because there's obviously a story that needs to be explained here of what happened mm. and this guy looking completely fine um I don't, you know, I don't know what somebody who, you know, has just suffered, uh, uh, who has just been uh, discharged from the hospital for diverticulitis should look like. And a hernia, which requires <laughs> surgery, dude. A hernia. So what are you, are you suggesting that, that he's just uh, hiding it really well? Or are you saying that he could actually have recovered really well from this? I'm saying that my, in 2003... When Kurt Angle was getting ready for that match with Brock Lesnar, I watched that match for however long it went, 21 minutes, in absolute fear that this man was going to die. I am not going to be watching this match with the same level of concern for this man. Why because, is that? Because he has shown me, he has not demonstrated to me that there is anything wrong with this guy. He seemed completely fine coming out here. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's completely fine. You mean in storyline. But, but I mean... Here, here's here's my here's here's my like um my it wasn't even brought up like it's not even an element to the match it's not even it's nothing it's not even going to be like amplified for like a heat spot in the match or anything like that like he's got a weak yeah. system or something that they can attack like he just came out here no selling everything here that it was just it's very strange my theory is that because the story of this match originally was going to be about Daniel Bryan's comeback and it still is but over the past week it's almost been overshadowed by Shane's own comeback story so my assumption is that they are trying to diminish Shane's injuries to allow the focus and the spotlight to stay on Bryan because Bryan's big spot in the match will be his first tag into the ring uh, for the first time in three years and in order for that to occur you have to have Shane start the match and I guess wrestle the bulk of the match at least to start before Daniel Bryan comes in and if you have two comeback stories at the same time it it doesn't really work as well maybe that that's just a theory that I have why do you think they even drew attention to this with Shane the diverticulitis yeah like I I don't it's doubt a, it's there a real was story. there was a, he was really in the hospital like there was obviously there was something wrong with him yeah but if you're not even like he's Going to do the match. So either utilize what you have introduced or almost like what was the point? I, I think it got to a point where, you know, the story came out online um, and they... By them. By them. Yeah. They're but, the only ones that reported this. But don't you feel like, it, it, you know, at this stage, a story like that would have come out regardless? I mean, it hadn't. I mean, it came out the day before he was discharged from the hospital. Um, I, I, I don't, I, I guess I just don't necessarily think that their mentioning of his diverticulitis is necessarily storyline motivated and more so just something they felt necessary to let, let the audience know, uh, just about the health of one of their performers. Um, but we're saying all this though, but we don't know exactly how the match will go. Like it, you know, for all we know, it could be Shane McMahon shows up, I don't know, turns on Daniel Bryan, doesn't even wrestle and... Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how they would explain it, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's just very strange. There's obviously 
some story behind all of this. I'm just curious um, because it's just it's very scarce what the details are of this man's health. Phillips repeats that he was discharged, and it's miraculous. The crowd chants for Shane, and Shane puts over Brian as a role model, clawing his way back to wrestle again. And they mention here that Shane was hospitalized with staph infection, diverticulitis, and he credits Owens and Zane for the hernia. But he, too, has been medically cleared, and they will give everything they've got on Sunday. What a what an interesting visual to see <laughs> this guy basically, you know, near death, uh, get cleared in, within the span of a week. And here's Daniel Bryan standing next to him, who took three years to, to get back. Um. Quite interesting. Brian admits to the mistakes he's made, including with Owens and Zane. He's been friends with them for 15 years, and it led him in the wrong direction. He says Shane was right, and Brian apologizes. Shane says there's no need to apologize. I can be hot-headed and stubborn sometimes, and Brian laughs about a McMahon being stubborn. And then time stood still as everyone got quiet and... Each guy was clearly anticipating the other one was going to continue, but they didn't. And this was the strangest pause. And this was one of those weird Shane just went blank moments that he has every now and then. Hmm. And then Brian just seemed to take charge and continued on with the promo. But this was like a solid like eight seconds of dead air. Or was it? I don't know what this was, Hmm. but it was very noticeable. So Shane then apologizes to Brian, which I think was where this was all being set up for, was for Brian to apologize and then Shane come back and apologize. Brian doesn't want a handshake. Instead, he wants a hug, but Shane isn't a hug. It isn't a hugger. And reluctantly, they both hug and the crowd goes nuts here for this big hug. And then Brian morphs into full out promo mode. On Owens and Zane, they're going for payback. They're on the same page, and that's bad news for Owens and Zane. And Shane says, you will never see Owens and Zane on SmackDown ever again. These two just happen to all of a sudden get on the same page so quickly that it almost feels fishy. Like, But that could also just be because they're, they're rushing with the storyline, and it doesn't really necessarily feel as believable. But... Uh, yeah, the Brian and Shane rivalry has just kind of wrapped up here. And I wonder if there's more to it, you know. You watch this promo, like it totally it feels like one of those angles that it would be as you suggested, like Shane just turns on Brian, and I would just uh I would just groan at that. After all the stuff they've done with Owens and Zane, I really wouldn't want them to go that that direction as they're out for this match. Um and advancing the story. Nor would I want them to see them do the same thing with Brian turning either. I think that would be insanity. So the story could be just like Shane leaving, right? Like teasing, you know, starting the match and then all of a sudden just bailing, leaving basically a handicapped situation for Daniel Bryan. I mean, that's one way. Like I feel at this point, you just have to deliver the match. Mm. Yeah. Um, does it have your interest? Does the feud have your interest? Oh, absolutely. I would I would argue this has been probably the best built match at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. I think this has the most anticipation because of Daniel Bryan. Yes. 
Charlotte and Natalia had a non-title match, and once again, we had the the picture-in-picture promo with a a Rousey promo here as Charlotte's making her entrance. And match begins, Natalia's regrouping on the floor, and then Charlotte is sent into the post to set up a commercial break. Charlotte climbs to the top, her dad's spot, and gets tossed off the top. Natalia used a surfboard, which Charlotte was able to roll out of, later went for a moonsault, landing on Natalia's knees, and then... Natalia gets up, goes for a discus clothesline, and it turns into a double clothesline with both down, and Carmella runs out. She goes to hand over the briefcase to the referee, but Charlotte is up and just swats the briefcase away and kicks it, takes out Carmella, and then stops Natalia and wins with the figure eight. I thought the match was decent, but didn't really reach any significant level of drama until the cash-in. I mean, there's really, you know, for this match, there's nothing at stake and nobody thinks Charlotte's losing. But I thought it was it was a good use of the cash and tease. Very possible that we'll see it again at WrestleMania, whether during the match or, or following it. Yeah, I didn't think this was at the level of their previous television match. Um, but it was it was just fine. It was just, you know, it's our final week. Give Charlotte her win back and go into Sunday strong. Also her first and, of two matches tonight. Yeah, this woman had to work two matches on on Tuesday night. Oscar came out after the match and she says that the queen will bow down to the empress and she goes to say how no one's ready for Oscar, but Charlotte cuts her off and she asks if Oscar is ready. And Tom Phillips says this is arguably the biggest women's match in the history of WrestleMania. This was where I felt the awkward pause was really uncomfortable after uh, Charlotte said her line and the two of them look at the sign and it's just, and then it just ends with the music. Um, well, the sign's like looking into the sun. It's going to impair your vision and your your cognitive abilities it, temporarily. It just stops time, yeah. You you know, a match like this, and as well as the main event, I feel like it's it's been a really interesting Mania build, in particular with the Asuka match and also the Nakamura match, because they're both very similar. Uh, and I think they both face similar issues, where you, a match like this... It's probably even tougher, actually, for Asuka and Charlotte because neither of them are, are on the same brand. Asuka doesn't really cut lengthy promos. Um, but from a story standpoint, I think it was more up to Charlotte to kind of carry. But I've been kind of disappointed because, you know, we really haven't gotten that much of a character arc from Charlotte here. There were glimpses of it early on with Charlotte kind of doubting herself, asking her herself whether or not she could break the streak. But we never really went that deep with it. So... At this point, I mean, it really is just about the match, like the technical match, rather than any, I think, deeper storyline that I think could have been achieved here. Whereas I feel like with AJ and Nakamura, they've done a better job explaining both men's actual motivations, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, the Charlotte-Asuka feud has been, I almost don't even call it a feud. It's She won the Rumble, and she's challenging the the main woman on the main roster over the past two and a half years. Yeah. That's kind of, that's the story. It's a first time match between the two. When I, that's when I feel like it's kind of it. I mean, yeah. When I feel like there could have been a lot more potential to tell a lot more in particular with Charlotte, who, you know, is up against the biggest challenge of her life. And, you know, it's, it was, it was more of an opportunity, I would say for her to grow her character. But at the end of this build, I don't necessarily sense that much change. They did a sit-down with AJ Styles reacting to last week and being patted on the top of the head like a dog. 
And he says, well, this dog bites. And he is emotional, just like he was a kid. And that's why he got to the WWE. His emotions are his strength, not his weakness. And Nakamura has a weakness. He's taking him lightly. And we are far from the Tokyo Dome. It's not a dream. It's a reality. And reality is he's going to beat Nakamura on Sunday. Yeah, I feel like they've done a much better job explaining both men's emotions in this particular feud. I mean, AJ, we know that he just he's always wanted this dream match with Nakamura at WrestleMania in order to prove that he is the best in the company. He wants to beat number two because he wants to t- prove everybody, to everybody that he is that much of a number one. And Nakamura just wants the feeling of kneeing AJ in the face to win the title. Um, I think it's a very, it's pretty simple. You know, you can argue that they maybe could have done a better job, especially, you know, explaining some of the personality traits of somebody like a Shinsuke Nakamura. But I feel like they've, they've done a satisfactory job this far out. I think in the case of Styles Nakamura, it's just, it's been a very conservative build and they're putting all their stock on the matches delivering big. And that's what you will ultimately remember, but not uh, to me. I'm not crazy about kind of that, that over-reliance on just presenting a great match and not feeling the need to enhance it Mm -hmm. beyond just being great on paper. And this one feels as though, you know, when you aren't, drawing on pay-per-view, you don't necessarily have that that impetus to go out and really sell these matches that I think yeah. they're just kind of taking for granted that these are matches people want to see and we're just going to get them to WrestleMania with kind of minimal emphasis placed on these matches beyond just what they are. I mean, the Young Bucks versus the Golden uh, Lovers like on paper is already a match that will attract a lot of interest. But when you throw in the storyline that th- those guys managed to, to create around the match itself... It turns it from just a good match that you'll watch, you know, I guess uh, uh, for one week to a match that you'll remember forever. Uh, And I think they had the potential to to do that with something like this. Also, AJ, going back to his his roots in the WWE. Remember when he was the pit bull? Oh, yes. Yes, those roots. This dog bites. Yeah. He's a pit bull. He's just a little guy that just bites. There was a feature on Daniel Bryan and the whole tag match going back to uh, the the beginning of the feud with Owens and Shane, the Survivor Series where they cost Shane and then the attacks. Bobby Roode came out for commentary on the next match, and then Sunil Singh came out. I can't do this <laughs> at all justice. This might be the worst musical performance ever, but was perfect for this guy. The lyrics of his song included, My name is Sing, so it's no surprise. I'm better than Aiden when it's time to harmonize. It was so awful. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) As he introduced Jinder Mahal. But God bless this guy for uh, clearly trying his hardest, or maybe not. I don't know. But it was. It was perfect, whatever he did. It was the exact reaction you wanted yeah, for this guy. Yeah. It's nice to see him get a, uh, show, be able to show a bit more personality in this role. Uh, he was also on Ride Along this week with uh, Jinder Mahal and uh, also Bobby Roode and AJ. How was that? I've only uh, I only had it on the background, but uh, it looked really interesting. Like Bobby Roode and AJ, kind of um, they both actually had 
histories with the WWE prior to actually signing with the company so many years later. So they showed mm-hmm. like, really old footage of the two of them in their tryouts or audition tapes. Uh, it's one that I'll definitely go back to rewatch. How was uh, how was Bobby and AJ? Did you catch any of that? Oh, that's what I meant. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about Jinder and, and Sunil. Yeah, no. I, I think I saw less of that one. Uh, I, I saw, what I did see was Jinder Mahal making fun of how small Sunil was. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go, folks. Yeah. Uh, pause this podcast and, and go check out <laughs> Ride Along. Aiden English came out and just freestyled on Sunil and then introduces Rusev to a huge reaction. He lives in Nashville, so that was probably uh, helped his yes. reception here on this Absolutely. show. And I think this this addition to this U.S. title match has kind of reignited Rusev, which I think it had kind of calmed down. But this insertion into the match, it's showing that th- this guy legitimately got over and this was not the plan to have a four-way match. And he got into this four-way as just a result of what he's been doing. It reignited Rusev, but I would say it reignited the match to probably an even greater extent. I actually find it hard to hate or make fun of this match now as much because Rusev is in it. I I think, you know, it's just not the same. It's just not as fun to make fun of, you know, Randy Orton, Jinder Mahal, and Bobby Roode. Um, and Rusev, come on, you can't really make fun of Rusev. Everybody loves Rusev, so got them got them onto the main card way. Uh, I guess I guess so. I wonder what the plan would have been. Uh, so I think it's a, it's actually a rare case where like the extra body in the multi man match actually helped it. Mahal is just hitting him with strikes in the corner. They go through a break as they had this Reigns Lesnar promo, which. This thing went so long, Rusev started his comeback during the promo, landing a spinning heel kick, and the promo ends just as Rusev is going for the accolade, which Mahal avoids. Corey Graves said that network subscriptions are up 8,000% in Bulgaria since Rusev was added to the four-way. And Sunil then gets on the apron, eats a head kick, Mahal gets a roll-up for a two-count, and then Rusev gets up, Machka kick for the win, and they declare it Rusev Mania on Sunday. The match to me was, um, it was a Jinder Mahal match, but the crowd got into uh, Rusev's win here, which, right person to win this match. Yeah, I would say on this edition of SmackDown overall, there were no Seth Rollins, Finn Balor level of match. It was... No, that was on 205 Live. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, So a match like this was really just, you know, it served as a reminder, hey, this is happening on Sunday. I thought Bobby Roode did a good job on commentary here, conveying... WrestleMania, his first WrestleMania being the biggest night of, of his career. So um, I expect him to have a pretty grand entrance. You know, hearing that song in the stadium is is should be awesome. Yeah, I wonder who's going to get the really big, elaborate mm-hmm. entrances. And I wonder if Bobby Roode is at a level where they would they would put that kind of uh, resource into a Bobby Roode entrance. I would say Bobby Roode not necessarily, but the song is. You know, of all the songs that you look forward to, I think his is one of the ones that's at the top, along with Shinsuke. Then we had Orton show up out of nowhere, RKOing Rusev, and then Aiden attacks Orton, stomps him down, gets onto the second turnbuckle, and he's waiting as Orton staggers. But Bobby Roode comes up, shoves Aiden into a midair RKO. Roode picks up the U.S. title, hands it over. And they're chanting RKO, which quickly turns into a Rusev Day chant as Orton and Rude just stand there. And they had to double check that the WrestleMania sign was still there in the rafters. And in fact, it was. Again, like just seeing Randy Orton and Bobby Rude standing there uh, and having the crowd drown out the RKO chant with the Rusev Day chant 
just really goes to show you the only person of interest for most people watching this four way on Sunday. So um, I expect, I, I mean, I expect them to book the match around Rusev because I'm, I'm sure they're not stupid. And we will go through the card right after this. They do a sit down with Shinsuke Nakamura. Styles thinks he's playing games. Well, he's right, but he takes this game very seriously. He has come to America for one reason, and that is WrestleMania. He is not taking AJ lightly. He knows Styles very well. He's very emotional, and therefore he'll make a mistake. And when he does, he becomes WWE champion with a knee to the face. Mm. I, I really like the plotting and strategic Shinsuke Nakamura. Like this yeah. last week and this week, I thought of really kind of turned a corner. It's yeah. given some depth to this character that uh, he's very methodical and has all these guys broken down and figured out. Yeah, you stole my uh, cliche. I, w- I was I was going to say turned a corner. Oh, what else is there? Uh, he uh, he uh, sideswiped um, a vehicle. No. He swipe he swiped left. Got it. got it. Yes. Yeah, I really over the last couple weeks he he's really kind of you know felt. Like, he's gotten this English promo thing. I feel like his enunciation is getting better, and his ability to, to inject his own unique personality into the dialogue is feeling more and more natural and successful. So, you know, I still think in a setting like this, especially for a sit-down interview, it would have probably been even more effective to subtitle him. But if this is like a personal challenge for Shinsuke Nakamura to be able to, you know, get into the WWE system and use their language to get over... I mean, I definitely do see the improvement over the last few weeks. Might not get his own subtitles, but as we learned during the Benjamin and Gable selfie promo, he does get his own font for his name. Oh, I missed that. Well, it's it's the same font for his uh, his Titantron. Well, hey, here's the other thing, too, that was uh, I'm reminded of, and it's that when he was in NXT, he, he had a much more plain, uh, you know, <laughs> I would say... Ethnically neutral font. Yes, and I didn't. I was just throwing that out there for you to announce that, and rather than it be me, but oh, it's man. very much like it's yeah, the like font why? the font you would expect to see on a traditional like Chinese food restaurant. I know, yeah, like that's what it is. I mean that that's what it is, and it wasn't in NXT. It was like block letters. Yeah. Wait a minute. I should just write, <laughs> start writing my name in. And stroke. Well, yeah, then everyone would would realize what your name is, of course, way. It's yeah. just the font. What would yours be? Um I'm trying to think about that. What is the white font? I'd be the most like boring, neutral. I'd be Times New Roman, <laughs> size ten, no bold. That's it. Okay. That's interesting. Uh mix match challenge promos. We got double woos from Charlotte and Bobby Roode. Oscar says tonight WrestleMania comes early for Charlotte. I'll tell you, I'm not going to miss this song. That's for sure. <laughs> I can't imagine how many times you listen to it or anybody who video you, together or anybody who goes on the website over the next. It's actually days. been in my head uh, all day, or not all day, since I watched the the video when you sent it to yes, me. It's I, been in my head. A warning to everybody who's going to use the website for the next couple of days: hit, hit mute on your computer because <laughs> I have that video on autoplay. This is the new face to pain. Yes. Who's the band that does it? It's CFOs. Oh, it is CFOs. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, great job. Then we had the New Day backstage. I just thought this was unfortunate that these poor guys, their go-home segment had to be the fucking network commercial mm. promo. 
They're talking about how it's free for all new subscribers. And then, I mean, to their credit, they tried to make this fun, pulling out all the different devices from their pants that you can watch the show on. And they pull a laptop out of Kofi's pants. A tablet is in Biggie's pants. The Usos walk in. The Usos. Ah. They had to force in that it costs nothing to watch them defend their titles and had to work in these damn promo notes. And then the Bludgeon Brothers came in and I was just waiting for like Luke Harper to say how subscribe now and it also <laughs> includes payback and extreme rules. Yeah. Instead, they just dropped a hammer, presumably on the camera. Um, uh, yeah. For, for all like uh, like we've generally enjoyed this this program yes. the last month. I just thought this was such a, a sad final bit that they had to include this. Uh, yeah. And they had to be the fucking shills for the network. Like, use your announcers for this stuff. I just, I didn't need to see these guys. No. Uh, anyway. It's because the, the New Day are, are probably so good at it. You know, they, they've got the DX thing where they can get away with doing stuff like this and not lose the audience. Uh, the Usos, I do not want to hear talking no. about how it's it's free to watch us defend our titles. It's like they could have had a great promo on this show going into their first WrestleMania main card. Completely. I feel like that's a storyline point that, that has been kind of lost over the last couple of weeks. To me, the most that's the most... I mean, I think they've done a great job of portraying the, the Bludgeon Brothers as these unstoppable threats that they have to team up together to, to beat. But I think the other more important part of the storyline for me is the fact that the Usos are finally getting to be uh to, to to perform on the on the main card uh so unfortunately that that wasn't reminded uh, instead it was uh you know i'll say they, how about, they, they had how a good about the line. fact that oh yeah what was the good line well i'm saying the line was good about how it's free to watch us but you have i don't know they'll have to pay uh, the, uh, uh whatever I, i'm doing a <laughs> terrible job but if you if you're telling me like, hey, work this plug into your very serious promo, I feel like they did it. Uh, to me, it was just all the the shilling just took this away. On top of that, like the Bludgeon Brothers murdered all of these guys, mm -hmm. and now they're all just casually standing around. Yeah, yeah. Like it just, I don't know. It, it took it, the edge off. Yes, it definitely did for me in this one. Like these, like the Usos have been dynamite, and for this final promo segment. That it was lost in all of this. I thought this was a real swing and a miss on this show for me. They, they hit the camera, though. That's, yeah, great. So this, this segment literally lost money. Brizongo, Ty Dillinger, and Zack Ryder took on Baron Corbin, Mojo Raleigh, Primo Cologne, and Dolph Ziggler. I had no idea the Colognes were even still there. Where, where, where's Epico? I think Epico's still hurt. Oh. Um. Yes. So, so this Primo, was, does Primo just come like every week to chill? Uh, yeah. yeah. I guess he's in the Battle Royal. Zack Ryder and Mojo started the match. The former teammates, Tom Phillips notes, it's been two years to the day since Zack Ryder won the Intercontinental title for one day at WrestleMania 32. Okay. Yeah. What a, what a, what a high point. Um, all eight men just stood off. They eventually got the heat on tie. Tag is made to Fandango. They note he has been in every single Andre the Giant Battle Royal. So maybe this year will be his year. Yes, maybe. Sorry, who's that? Fandango. Oh, yeah. Um, hmm. He's been in every one. Well, that's a 
that's some type of streak. Yeah. That's a WrestleMania streak. Baron flew over the top rope. They did a series of each guy throwing the other over the top rope to emphasize that would be an elimination. Ziggler hit a Hurricane Rana sending Primo to the floor, and then Corbin just threw Tyler over the top to the floor and won with the end of days to Fandango and won. Yeah. So, you know, this what? was very funny to watch them promote how this battle royal has propelled these men to <laughs> career heights. And you got Baron Corbin and Mojo Raleigh, uh, w- past winners, uh, yeah. part of this match. And oh, to be just a fly on the wall of Dolph Ziggler late at night as he's driving to the next town to just let it all out. Oh. Uh, I, I actually, I'm, I'm starting to develop like a weird fascination with the Andre the Giant Battle Royal because they, you know, they all kind of act as like <clears throat> great snapshots of your bottom rung. You know, it's it's essentially your your participation trophy uh, for for your guys who otherwise don't have anything to do, but we want them to be to feel like they're part of the team anyway. So if you're guys like you know, if you're a guy like a, a Ziggler or a Corbin. I mean, I wonder what's going through their head because, you know, all year they're probably looking forward to having a match at WrestleMania. And I I want I, I feel like it might be a lot like, you know, um, like when you took school photos, John, like what, what role would you typically stand in in elementary I, school? I was pretty tall, actually, so I usually was always put in the back. Okay, so I'm I'm a pretty solid middle row guy my entire life. One year... I think I was probably like, I don't know, 11 or something. Everybody just got tall, like taller than me. And I had to sit in the front row. And let me tell you the disappointment that I felt that year. You could see it in the photo. I was just like, I just did not want to be there. And I think that's what the Andre the Giant Battle Royal is like. You know, last year you were in the middle row. Dolph Ziggler or Baron Corbin, you, you had a match. This year... It looks like all your friends have grown taller than you. And here's the bottom row. The Andre the Giant bottom row. Yep, this is quite the snapshot. Uh, They aired a spot for the Andre the Giant documentary that's airing next Tuesday night. And then we had a Shelton Benjamin, Chad Gable selfie promo. Don't care. Those were the words, not my summation of this. Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles. WrestleMania logo. Watered down, dream match, beat AJ and Shinsuke, limping, WrestleMania logo. Yeah. I have a whole new appreciation for these now because, like... They're tough. They're not tough. They're just so time-consuming. Every little, like, stroke and different color change requires, like, a whole new, like, file. So, you know, that on top of, like, animating all this shit... I'm just amazed that they would continue to put this much work and effort for whoever. So your your whole theory about them saving time by letting guys just shoot these on their own phones, it's probably made up with the extra time that it takes to put these things together. Very, very much so, yeah. I mean... As opposed to just doing normal promos that have worked forever. Yeah. I I mean, I guess it it is, like, um, easier to, uh, you know, get tell an intern to work on this than to take up, like, you know, the time of, like, your, your professional lighting video staff. But... It's just it's it's a pain. I would how is it this? How is it? See, these guys are sent off. You know, cut a promo on your phone, and then we'll take care of it. And yet, when someone goes out and does something on their own, 
and cuts a tremendous promo that looked professional quality. Mm. It doesn't even make it onto television in the case of Mustafa Ali. It's a good question. I, I mean, I feel like with Ali, maybe they had something else in mind and they just didn't have, have room for it. They had nothing in mind. No, they had the final video. All right. You're, I just watched that. It's like, we, we can fit this in. We can fit this into the show. Yeah. Anyway. Owens and Zayn storm the announcer's desk from the crowd. And I was going to point this out earlier, but it turns out that with just days to go, Kevin Owens has extended the streak and he got a KO Mania 3 t-shirt. Yes, I've seen it. Yes, it, it is. It's a parody of the Andre Hogan graphic, but with two Kevin Owens photos. Yes, <laughs> he's having a stare down with himself. Yes, he's headlining WrestleMania three by himself. Zayn says that they have to apologize to Brian's wife and daughter. She's not going to grow up with a fond memory of Brian's comeback, and is sorry to Bree for the man that they're going to send home. They're not going to be able to put him back together. They mock him saying, fight for your dreams. It's their dream to fight and obliterate Brian. And that's going to be their WrestleMania moment. And then they start chanting, we deserve it, which was the funniest thing on the show. <laughs> and Zayn is just hey, coming across like such a dick. I think he's stealing the show in this act. Uh, that dude is just like physically so funny and so outrageous that... Uh, he's just, I find, he's magnetic. I hope he doesn't turn babyface. I thought this was a great promo from these two. Yeah. Brian and Shane were walking in the back. We cut to Owens back in there sending, saying that he's going to send Shane back to Titan Tower. He can see the scar he put on Vince's forehead and how Shane failed to defend his father. But their mics get cut off. Security is ushering them out when Shane and Brian come out. And they tell the audience to take a photo of them. It's their last time they'll see them on SmackDown Live. And they sing the uh, the goodbye song for Owens and Zayn. And that's it. That's it. That was the final, uh, the final angle to set up the tag match on Sunday. Main event, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura against Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable. Phillip says that on Sunday, the dream match is realized from the Tokyo Dome to the Superdome. Does that That's make sense? Cool. Uh, how's it a how's it a dream match if we're talking about its origin point and its next chapter? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. like, like um, what from the Tokyo Dome? That's yeah, that's where their first match that, took what is, place. What does that mean? Realized? Like uh maybe hmm. Okay. Like the first half is fine, but then you add the qualifier of from the Tokyo Dome to the Superdome. Here's what I think is I think they perhaps see the Tokyo Dome and Japan in general, anything outside of the WWE, basically. I mean, as the minor leagues. And so the Tokyo Dome might as well just be, you know, your NCAA finals. Whereas now, hey, this is the NBA. And this is the, the actual, the, this is where it actually matters. Okay, so they're subtly acknowledging that they have had a match before, but it's, it's at that bingo hall, the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, yes, exactly. They emphasized the mind games of Nakamura based on the way he tagged in AJ. Nakamura then missed a blind tag by Gable. It allowed Benjamin to hit him with a running knee, and then Gable went for a moonsault, getting a two count. Uh, they got the advantage on Nakamura. Nakamura is selling, lands a heel kick out of the corner, makes his way to the corner, tags in AJ, who just fired up on Gable with strikes. Pele kick to Benjamin, Ushiguroshi to Gable, and then he walks over to Nakamura, looks at him, and right next to him does the phenomenal forearm and pins Gable. 
And Styles just stares him down, grabs the title, and afterwards, Benjamin attacks Nakamura from behind. Nakamura fights him off himself as AJ is just casually watching, indicated he was going to come help him, but wasn't in a rush to do so. And then AJ goes for the springboard, but then holds up before hitting Nakamura with the forearm, shields, and Nakamura shielding himself. And this time, AJ pats him on the head and leaves, stating he will see him at WrestleMania. I like the post-match stuff with the uh, the tease. Yeah, I thought really good. I mean, uh, great callback to last week, uh, mirroring exactly what happened last week. I I think, I mean, the match was just, it's hard to get into the match because uh, it, it really, you know, was not much of a priority. Uh, and, and plus we had like long commercial breaks in between. So maybe a little disappointed in that sense, much like last week. But it it's it shouldn't be the focus. The focus should be Nakamura and Styles, and I thought definitely they did a good job here. Uh, you know, driving up that tension. Yeah, I think at the end of this whole thing, like you can look at the build up for Styles and Nakamura. You could have done more here, done different things there. Like it's been fine, and I think everyone is expecting this to be, you know, having the potential to be one of the great mm-hmm. WrestleMania matches ever. I think that 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 is not hyperbole. Let's just keep. Reminding ourselves, could have been worse. Could have been worse. Could have been worse. Now, uh, we just need to make sure that during all of AJ's media appearances, he doesn't uh, just spot someone he knows and quickly darts over and then trips over a cord or something and tears his LCL. LCL? That's what what happened to Tony Ferguson. I didn't even know that existed. Yes, it's the lateral collateral ligament. God. LCL. So that was SmackDown. I guess I guess AJ is fine. Totally fine. Oh, he, like. I mean, he did two springboards onto the knee, uh, which, I mean, everyone, he was kind of talking about his leg. So it was something in there. Uh, it appeared completely fine. He's been working house shows. So it doesn't sound like it's anything that's going to hold him back. And, mm. you know, it's funny. The the last time they had the match at the Tokyo Dome, the the mythical match, uh, AJ was going into that match where his back was mm-hmm. all wrecked and had to incorporate DDP yoga into his preparation. And that match turned out well as well. So I don't think there's going to be any compromise on AJ's output on Sunday. Yeah. New Japan just put that match up for free, by the way, for people who aren't aware on their YouTube, uh, I believe, or was it New Japan World? One of those two. I think it's on both. You can watch either. Yes. Uh, so there you go. Uh you know what? I didn't even think about it once, but no John Cena on this show. No Undertaker. Nothing even referenced to I, them. I so wouldn't have expected it. I thought there was a possibility that they would somehow uh, announce it on this show. But given Monday, which I want to I uh, run this by you, Way, because the Raw number was an incredible third hour performance for them. It was, if you throw out the 25th anniversary raw from January, which is kind of an aberration, this was the highest third hour that they have done since the night after last year's WrestleMania. Wow. And I just like, they've ended plenty of shows with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, and it's never done this well. Hmm. So I can't give them the credit. And I mean, for me personally, I found the third hour really intriguing if they were going to somehow, have the undertaker respond during that final hour. Do you think that that had anything to do with the third hour doing better? Do you have any theory? Yeah, it's very possible. It's very possible, but I mean, I, I, I feel like 
I, I, I feel like most people watching weren't necessarily sticking around to wait for The Undertaker. That's just my feeling. Um, mm-hmm. I would say perhaps it's just more of a general interest in this WrestleMania, perhaps due to Ronda Rousey's involvement or perhaps due to like wrestling perhaps being more popular in general. Uh, so a lot of people are maybe choosing to invest their time in wrestling right this week so that they can get ready to join their friends or whatever party that they plan on joining this weekend to watch WrestleMania. Yeah, well, whatever it was, the third hour did tremendous, and it was going up against the NCAA Finals as well. So they did have significant sports competition as well for that third hour. So that was impressive. Hmm. Uh, we can now move on to 205 Live. Hey, oh, sorry. This, come on, are you kidding me? <laughs> sorry, I uh, forget the NCAA Finals. We had the more important finals tonight of the Mixed Match Challenge. So I will hand it over to Way. This is, come on, this is what it's all been building up to, John. There wasn't, there wasn't an ounce of me that was interested in even like tracking down a link to this. $100,000 will be given to a charity of the winning team. So, here we are. Weeks after weeks of selfie promos. Weeks after weeks of reminding us to watch Facebook Live. Weeks after week of uh, that song. (laughs) Here we are. They're not giving it up. The finals of the Mixed Match Challenge. And of course, in the finals, we have Team... The Robe Warriors, consisting of Charlotte, a returning Charlotte, and Bobby Roode, taking on Team Asuka of The Miz and Asuka. Uh, you know, the all the character stuff is done. Uh, I don't even think we got promos uh, right before the, the match began. We know what, what we're here for. Um, Miz and Asuka are fighting for a dog charity, and I forget who Charlotte and Bobby are fighting for. Miz and Rude uh, exchange catchphrases to start a lot, you know, a bunch of glorious and holding up hands and stuff like that. And the whole storyline, never mind the dog charity, okay? It's Asuka being terrified that the Miz is going to lose her streak for her. That's really the the, the story here. Asuka. Shouldn't she have been more concerned about Dana Brooke the night before? Like, if I was going to be picking, you know... The, the lesser of two evils that could compromise my streak. I would have been fearful of Dana Brooks screwing this up. Somebody should show her her pro wrestling DB uh, record. Oscar, don't worry. You've lost battle royals. You've lost, yeah. uh, you've lost tag matches. It's fine. So finally, the Miz tags in, and we get a glimpse of Charlotte versus Asuka. Uh, there's basically a stalemate between the two, a collar-elbow tie-up that doesn't break until they reach the floor. Miz and Rude tag back in again, and again, Asuka is just concerned, yelling at the apron on the apron the entire time, making sure that her streak is still intact. While following the uh, live viewership here, I noticed that it, it went up to about 110k. Uh, oh, wow. Around there, which is, you know, probably the highest in some time. I forget what the debut was, but I don't think it cracked like three digits for most of its run. Uh, so we have Asuka and Flair in there again. Flair moonsaults for two. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Bunch of wrestling. Miz and Rude take most of the, the match, and um, Miz keeps taunting Charlotte before he does the figure four. And Charlotte has had enough at one point, decides to jump in and spears the Miz, and she applies the figure four on him. And uh, and now I'm realizing that, yeah, um, my feed, my pirated feed was stuttering so much 
that I totally missed the finish. Oh, no <laughs> these way. Finals. I, it, like, that's how I've been watching this whole thing, because I don't have Facebook Live. So No, we, we don't get Facebook yeah. Live in Canada. Or so this Facebook thing was Watch. stuttering so much, I missed the finish. And I came back, and Miz and Oscar had won. So I'm not going to miss this. Um, I am giving it up. Oh, it's over. Well, what an end to um, a memorable tournament. Yes. That, Perfect yeah. end. All right. Well, 205 Live, we're going to move on. Probably a more positive note. Hideo Itami and Akira Tozawa teamed up against Lince Dorado and Grand Metalik. Uh, early on, they were double-teaming Metalik. Itami started mocking the uh, the Lucha chant and then starts slapping and kicks Metalik. There was a quebrada by Dorado to Itami and then hit the Golden Rewind, which is a handspring stunner, pretty much the os cutter coming off of the ropes. They dove to the floor. Ending a series of dives, ending with Metalik hitting a great-looking Tornillo dive. And then Atami blocked the Metalik driver and goes to tear Metalik's mask off. Dorado makes the save. All four start brawling, and the match gets thrown out at 726, with Atami and Tozawa certainly showing... Uh, I mean, Atami has been the bully for a while, mm-hmm. but it seemed that Tozawa was now aligning himself with Atami's uh, low moral value. Yeah, I I feel like they 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 were trying to set up a bit more of a dynamic between the two, where Tazawa is a lot more reluctant to do the heelish things. But at the end of this, it was you know the two of them clearly on the same page. I really like Atami with with this more um, you know heel dickish persona. Uh, I think it makes him you know stand out a bit more, and he feels a bit more comfortable doing it. But uh, I like the match. Yeah, and uh, I mean this is certainly pushing in the direction of the expected addition of cruiserweight tag titles mm-hmm. now establishing some, some teams. What do you think of the, uh, new North American belts? Belt? How it looks or just the how, addition how of looks, the title? How it looks. Uh, I saw the video. I mean, it's, it's fine. It's, I don't know. I'm not, not I'm not a big fan. Yeah. It's just, it's a title. It's I like not it anything. about as much as I like the, uh, new Japan, uh, us title. It looks a bit like the UK title a little bit. Kind of the red the US and gold. Title. U.S. title. No, I'm talking about the North American title looking a bit like the U.K. title. Does it? I think a little bit. The U.K. title looks like the 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 universal title. The world title. The shape, at least. All right. I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not even bothering to look at the U.K. title. I know you're shopping for new belts, John. I know you're... Trying to well, there's there's so there's so many new ones that they are introducing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, God, we could uh, we need more titles. We need titles for everybody on the roster, right? Atami attacks the left knee of Dorado, and the baby faces are left laying. And then they announced that Drew Gulak and Mark Andrews has been postponed until next week. And we got a Gulak promo saying it was his request to delay this, and it's not mind games. He believes in a better 205 Live and wants Andrews to be 100% after his match last week with Tony, Tony Nice, so that there's no excuses. And he officially names his finisher the Gulak and then has a PowerPoint slide that just reads, Because I Could, as he calls himself the best submission specialist in WWE. I really like that tag. I like anytime a cruiserweight will say, I am the best period at this thing and i think somebody like a drew gulak certainly can can lay legitimate claim to to a sta- uh you know uh a, a moniker like that so he's now also incorporating his powerpoint comedy stuff with his new serious character 
And, yes. And I think he's good. I think it's, you know, I think he's very good. Maybe next week they'll do a spoof where he's going to come out and he's going to read Mark Andrews all the moves that he is restricted from doing while they're in Louisiana. <laughs> and find out if Mark Andrews has a license or not. Mark Andrews then did a promo, says he can prove a point in the ring too. Gulak crossed the line in their last match and Gulak will never disrespect him again. Drake Maverick uh, is with Tony Nese and he's going to send him back out tonight after losing last week and puts over the untapped potential that Nice has. And Nice got to exhibit that untapped potential against Jonathan Pierce. Pierce starts flexing and stating his physique is way better. So Nice just beats the hell out of him, including nailing him with this forearm on the floor that they would show a replay of later that McGinnis said came straight from Idaho. Uh, then Nice did his usual spot, kicking him onto his shoulders, gut buster, flying Nice for the win in 255. Yeah. I don't know if like this was just a, maybe like an exhibition match that they needed some type of storyline for, but it felt like this was an attempt to rehab Tony Nice to put him into a more serious role. Um, and I guess it's a start. I, I would I would say the match didn't really feel any different from your typical Tony Nice performance that I've been watching over the past year. Yeah, he is not one that has really stood out with any kind of personality. I mean, he's, yeah. you know, good enough performer, but has not really crafted any kind of identity on this show. And he's been there right from the beginning. But in ring, he is amazing. You know, so he is. I, but I, I don't think it ta- I, it'll take like once he does find that character. I, I mean, if they give him a big enough makeover, I feel like, you know, there's still definitely that potential. Thus far, we know he has abs. That's kind of the extent. Then the, uh, the Lucha party is in the trainer's room. They're all checking on Dorado's knee. Kalisto walks into Buddy Murphy, says it's not personal tonight. They're having a singles match, and he'll make it quick so he can get Kalisto back to his friends. And that was our next match, Buddy Murphy and Kalisto. Early on, both landed on their feet from head scissors attempts, and this led to a 205 chant. Kalisto went for a springboard seated senton, followed with a tornado DDT after being beaten down by several minutes, and then he yelled, Come on, buddy. And it just doesn't work when the guy's name is Buddy. Uh, Murph. <laughs> guy. Come on, guy. These two then went on to the edge of the apron. And Murphy hit this like running vertical suplex, dropping Kalisto on the edge of the apron, which, save for a Spanish fly, this was the most horrifying looking apron spot of the week. What does the, Lu- the Louisiana State Commission say about apron spots? Well, it doesn't matter because the WWE is exempt from any oh, of this stuff. Because that's one that I'm willing to let them have. I, I feel like I'm I'm kind of done with apron spots for a oh, while. This looked awful. Oh, man. I know I'm going to see at least like 10 more this week. So, man. Yeah, like two two like really scary looking ones in the same week. I thought for sure. We, we should mention the fact um, that Will Ospreay has announced that he will be doing his matches uh, in New Orleans this week. I thought if if he was coming over and he was going to uh, cut back on some of his matches, I thought, man, what an angle to do where he could come out and his opponent lays him out with a pile driver. Oh. T- um, takes him out of the show. I mean, wouldn't that stop the show, period? Like, wouldn't the promoter get fined? I think it's it's it sounds like if you go ahead of the show and you ask for permission... 
I don't feel the commission is going to be so hard and fast over what is not allowed. Like, I really think it's a little overblown of how, um, I would, like, I don't, I don't think it's going to be significant unless would, you're, you're just being blatant about it or just completely disregarding the rules. Like I feel if they go ahead of time and they just ask for permission. Oh, I would love to see that. I'd love to see a promoter just like walk up to like a, the door and be like, Hey, hey, can we please just like, maybe like, you know, are we allowed, please? That type of thing. Is that how you ask? It's going to get a reaction for any of these people that go ahead and do like a pile driver or something on one of these non-approved shows. Uh, so anyway, that is something to watch this week, though. That is, in fact, uh, legitimate rules that they do have within the state. I hope we get like a pile driver match where every move is a pile driver. Uh, yeah, maybe... Maybe that'll be part of the clusterfuck. Only pile drivers allowed, yes. That's how you're eliminated. Yeah. Kalisto leaped off the middle rope and was going for his reverse Rana, which this is like the second time I can recall that he's had trouble with this. Although this one, I, don't I mean, know. like, because this looked like it was a counter from Murphy rather than a botch. Uh, I feel it was just simply that he just kind of jumped too too far to do it because. It just went right back to, like, Kalisto just got right back up and continued his offense here. But it's not like this looked blatantly bad or anything. It was just, it turned into an electric chair, so it was fine. You didn't really have to call attention to it. Uh, so he continues to spike him with a Hurricane Rana for a near fall. Uh, on the floor, Kalisto takes a monkey flip onto the announcer's desk, which Vic Joseph noted knocked out all three of their monitors. So maybe that's the reason all the monitors are removed, because... They're going to lose power, which apparently happened here. Beats the count back in. Murphy blocked a Hurricane Rana, hit a power bomb, and then a first here on 205 Live. The Kamagoye for a two count. The crowd is yeah. chanting 205 Live. They're going nuts here. Fight forever. This is awesome. Then it, we had a. It was one of the biggest ovations I've ever heard on 205 Live. Yes. It was. And it, it was not like you're misleading chant either like mm. early in the match there was a 205 live chant or a 205 chant that it just sounded like it was 20 people that were trying to get this going by the end it felt as though it was mm -hmm. a, a good amount of the crowd like i i won't say this was you know the fucking roof was blowing off this place but it was like this crowd was into this match well when you consider that this is taking place after the two hours of smackdown and the Mixed Match Challenge, I mean, I, I think an, an ovation like this for Kalisto and Buddy Murphy is a is a definite feat. Yeah. I mean, the audience seemed into this. They reacted big to this Code Red near fall by Kalisto. And then Murphy recovers, tries for the Murphy's Law, which Kalisto is fighting. He finally hits it and wins the match. 14-46. Really solid match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I thought the Murphy's Law might have looked a little bit uh, sloppy, but... Again, like, these guys are working so fast, in particular Kalisto, who I think has been, like, he's been on, on like, different now ever since the, the Cruiserweight um, title tournament. The guy's just been, like, turnt, turnt up. <laughs> and uh, it's because of the singular wireless uh, sponsorship, perhaps. Obviously. Yeah, but he, he's been excellent. So, you know, I can excuse a little bit of sloppiness here and there if, if, if the rest of your stuff is looking perfect and blazing fast uh I, I it didn't affect this crowd's appreciation of the match at all uh and man this was like one of the 
better reactions I've ever seen for a 205 live match. I enjoyed this more than uh, Balor and Rollins on on Monday. This is my this yeah. is my leading contender for best match of WrestleMania week. This is number <laughs> one. I, I I might agree with you there. Yeah. Then we had a state of 205 live by Drake Maverick, where he just sat down and he calls the cruiserweight tournament a success. He thanks all the 16 uh, the 16 athletes. And he gets choked up discussing Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali competing in front of their families and friends. He implores the people to log in early, no matter what device you have. If you're going to the show, take your seat extra early so that you can feel every motion, every roller coaster ride. It's WrestleMania. And he plugs all the different matches that are going to happen. But the one you're going to remember is the Cruiserweight match. And you'll be able to say, you were there. And it will be your WrestleMania moment. Drake Maverick is outstanding. He really is. And again, like I might have missed like maybe his better days in Impact, but I really don't recall him being this good. Like, man, like he he really has turned into a perfect choice for this role. And here it was just him sitting in front of a camera, telling you how life changing it's going to be for you to sit down and order WrestleMania in a particular watching this cruiserweight championship match on the kickoff it's gonna change your life and by the end of it i'm like wow i I, he convinced me you convinced me i'm gonna get there extra early this year this was this was like tiny tim convincing you to wake up on christmas morning telling you why christmas is Mm. wonderful this is what drake maverick lives for it's it's wrestlemania and it's the cruiserweights at wrestlemania yeah. Tremendous promo from Drake Maverick. I, I love him on 205 Live right now, but I really do look forward to seeing him in a you know significant role as a, some type of manager or something for a big act. Like to me, he he could be another Paul Heyman for a Paul, future Paul Heyman Brock Lesnar combination. And then the show ended with just a recap of the tournament leading to Ali and Alexander. Some comments from the two of them from a, a pre-tape. Talking, uh, Ali mentioned he's never even been on a pay-per-view before. Now he's wrestling at WrestleMania. They list prior Cruiserweight champions like Ray, Eddie, and Dean. They can follow that lineage. And that was it. There was no live appearance by either man on the show. And that was the show. A tremendous match between Buddy Murphy and Kalisto. And all I've got to say is that next week, that New Orleans... uh, crowd having watched all the wrestling of that weekend and then raw and then smackdown and then you've got drew gulak and mark andrews (laughs) in maybe the toughest role of the entire weekend to have to close it all down yeah right yes uh um i i i'm assuming they're not worrying too much about that but uh boy um this is just kind of the beginning isn't it um, I, I like that they're treating Ali and, and Alexander as like, you know, a big match on this show, uh, even though we didn't get to see them. But I'm not so disappointed because I don't think they would have gained that much. Like if you if you're aware, if you're watching 205 Live, you already know this is happening. And I hope the the audience in the kickoff will, you know, show the appropriate amount of attention. Yeah, it was kind of strange watching like this Buddy Murphy Kalisto match, and we have no idea if those guys are even going to have a spot anywhere on the show. Like I don't even assume they're going to be in the battle royal. Their spot probably, is at access. It probably is going to be access. Mm-hmm. So unfortunate. 
But there you go. That was uh, that was WWE's final TV as they now all head to New Orleans. And I guess you want to do feedback right now. Do you want to go, through, go the through the card? Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. So let me uh, let me pull up the card here in all 85 matches that are happening on Sunday. All starts at 5 p.m., folks. So lots of 5 p.m. Eastern time. If we're down in New Orleans, that's three? that's four o'clock. Four, They're one okay. hour behind Got Central it. Time. Um, okay. I just pulled up WrestleMania 33, and I'm pretty sure that Austin Aries and Neville is not opening up. I have it. Do you, do you want me to? Okay, I got it here. So, kickoff match, we have the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Do we have an updated list of the participants here? Um, do you have a prediction, Way, of who is going to be winning? The only the- uh, members that, that you know seem like they are being focused on are, you know, Baron Corbin. Uh, maybe Mojo will have a spot because he won last year. I'm trying to think who on the Raw side of things is uh, participating. Who's getting... We've got... He- We've got the revival: Baron Corbin, Mojo Rawley, Ty Dillinger, Matt Hardy, Dolph Ziggler, oh, Brizongo, yes. right. Goldust, Heath Slater, Rhino, Zack Ryder, and Primo. I'm going to go out on a limb and say none of these guys are winning the battle royal. It's going to be somebody. This could be a spot if you want to reintroduce Bray and he wins. Mm-hmm. Um, you could also do the big jump start of someone from NXT coming up and winning it, much like they did with Baron Corbin. Yeah, um, there can. are some options. Um, I. Th- like it's the opening match on the kickoff. So really, how much are you going to put into this match anyway? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think again, the the biggest reactions are, will probably go to somebody like a broken Matt Hardy. Uh, I expect you know they'll they'll make a big deal out of how last year this guy's appearance with Jeff Hardy was one of the biggest things from that year, if not the biggest thing from things from that year. So I think he'll have a significant entrance. Um, may, maybe not so much an entrance, but a significant moment. In there. Uh, who's going to win? God, take your pick. Gold Dust. Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe Dolph will win. No, I, I, I'll i go with Matt Hardy. Sure. Why not? Okay. The Women's Battle Royal. We're going to have back-to-back Battle Royals mm-hmm. uh, to kick off the kickoff. Um, yeah, this is kind of... I see it either going with with Bailey or Sasha. I could see Sasha just screwing Bailey and winning. Yeah, I mean, I could kind of see it being neither, and both of them elim- eliminating each other, and therefore perhaps the the Uterus Trophy going to uh, Becky Lynch. <laughs> I was gonna say Becky. She could use this yes, the most. Absolutely, I think she very much needs something. Mm-hmm. Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali. Also part of the kickoff. Uh, this should be a very good match. Like, this is going to be these two guys going out to have the greatest match of their lives. I, let's hope they're, that they're allowed to, you know, because we know how their reluctance to have some of these cruiserweights showcase their stuff uh, prior to the, the main show. Uh, but I feel like this is a time where you certainly need to have a giant match. They've told such a wonderful story with these two. Uh, basically overcoming all odds and sticking through some really shitty times in, in 205 Live to culminate in a spot like this. So I hope I hope these two have the best match like of the entire show if they're if they're being given if they're given the chance, uh, which I don't think they they will. But I, I I look forward to the moment of the two of them winning and then or one of them winning and then holding the other person's hand either way. 
Yeah, I think they go with Cedric winning. I was going to say Cedric because like, he seems to have received more focus uh, in the past year. But man, Ali's promos have just like been better than Cedric's. And I think he's just, I see more value in him. Especially, you know, um, I think it says a lot if you have, uh, you know, somebody of, uh, he's Pakistani, right? His parents are. Yeah, he was born here, but okay. his parents are. Pakistani yeah. Muslim. I think I think it's a huge statement to have a legitimate champion be, you know, somebody of a different ethnic background. And I'm not saying that's the only reason. The reason is because he's fucking great, okay? But I'm I'm saying that in addition to it, I feel it could be a more powerful message. So I, I could actually see Ali. My, that's my pick. All right. We now go to the main card. Let's uh we'll just go here in, in the order. Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns. A is this closing the show. My gut says yes right now i think after monday this feels like this has to go on last i i don't mean has to but it will that's my thought um and i i don't see the plan changing i think roman is winning this match Mm -hmm. and brock is at minimum disappearing for a while after this match Mm -hmm. so do you do you, uh, you have high hopes for this match do you think this will be one of the top Three matches at WrestleMania. I don't know if I was as big of a fan of uh, of their last match as maybe most. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe not personally. Uh, I, I I could see them having a good match though. I think a lot of it will be dependent on the crowd reaction, and I think the crowd reaction will probably for me make this match. What do you see opening WrestleMania? Mm, good question. Well, we talked about last last night how it would be re- quite refreshing to see them actually go in order of like importance. You know. So uh, on a personal level, I'd love to see them open up with Randy Orton versus Bobby Roode and Jinder Mahal <laughs> and Rusev. I could uh, see them opening with the the Usos tag. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, why not? I mean, there, there's lots of directions you can go. I think having that first match on the main show is actually a very good spot to have. It really is. Um, I could also see Miz, Rollins, Balor opening yep. up. Yeah. Um, I would hate to see a title match open up. I don't want to see Styles and Nakamura get yeah. that spot. I don't like um, that idea at all. Strowman doesn't feel like it would be that opener spot. So I would say one of the two uh, IC or the U.S. titles. AJ and Nakamura, where do you think is the ideal placement of this match? Personally, I would put it, you know, near the end of the show. Mm-hmm. I would say if it's not going to go on last, maybe put it on third from last. Because... Um, I think you'll they'll want to do a Asuka and Flair second last if you're going to go with uh, Brock and Roman. So that's where I see it, third from the top. And with Styles and Nakamura, do you have... I, I could definitely see Styles retaining here. Me too, me too. I think AJ is your guy that can lead the show. Uh, Nakamura, like really, like if they have a great match... That's all that matters in the end. Nakamura will still... Nakamura, I, I would say, is a guy that doesn't necessarily need the belt. Like, his NXT title run, I think I think he's almost better off as sort of like this um, guy that's just lurking in the shadows. Not, not unlike an Undertaker who, like, doesn't need the belt in order to be relevant. So, I, I see AJ retaining. Yeah, I, I'll go the same. And I... I think that they're going to get minimum 25 minutes. And I think this has the potential to be one, one of the best WrestleMania matches of recent memory. Okay. I will, think, will it be the best match of the weekend? 
That's a bigger question. No, I'm not going to say of the weekend, but I am going to say of this show. Okay. I think this might even be better than anything on TakeOver, which mm-hmm. it's. Uh, I think there's more competition on, on TakeOver. But I think that between the WWE matches, I think this one is my favorite to be the best match of the weekend. Even yeah. ahead of Ciampa and Gargano. Yeah, it's. It, I'm, I'm looking more forward to this one than probably anything else on this show. Miz, Seth Rollins, and Finn Balor. Um, what like who's gonna win? I think the Miz is winning this. If we're, I, I I feel like we're gonna get the Demon, and therefore I think Finn Balor has to take this one. Yeah, that's one option. What I, a weird sentence I just said. Like sometimes I like to step out of like my wrestling bubble to like analyze what I'm saying. I feel if we see the demon, Finn Balor will win the Intercontinental Championship. Well, I am. I'm going to just uh, argue with you and pick the Miz, and this will be the whole um, Miz and Mrs. Show is has his baby and then goes and defends his title at WrestleMania. But he's a heel. Yeah, Rollins and Balor are going to murder each other. And he's going to be able to oh, yeah, yeah, true. just right. steal the, the victory somehow. Mm-hmm. Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, Jinder Mahal, and Rusev in Way's real main event. Oh, yes. The reverse main event. The reverse main event. This, obvi- this finish is so obvious of Rusev just winning that they're going to overthink it and Orton's going to retain this, ma- this title. Yeah, I mean, they could also be doing the Daniel Bryan thing for Rusev where, you know, by treating him like shit, they're trying to get the audience more on his side. Yeah, Z- um, Ziggler is red hot and ready to be. <laughs> you're ready to pull the the trigger on him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Rusev, I anticipate to be, to get one of the bigger reactions on this show. I uh, almost want this to be the first match on the yes. show, just because of that's going to be the loudest reaction possible for Rusev is coming out yeah. early in the show with Aiden. If he did the first entrance, I think that that'd be a perfect spot for him. Yes, I yeah. love that. Yeah. So, um, who do I see winning it? I, I mean, if it's not Rusev, then I see Orton retaining. Uh, in addition to this, though, I feel like they they were kind of slightly teasing a Bobby Roode heel turn after he lost the belt last month. Do you see anything happening there? Not on this show. I, I think for a match like this, where it's so buried on the card, you're not going to do something dramatic with any of the characters. I think you'd save that for television mm-hmm. and just kind of hint at it here with a, with a finish that kind of leads you down that direction. So what's your pick? I'm going with Orton to retain. I'll go with Rusev. Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax for the Raw women's title. I will say Nia Jax should win. I feel this could be one of those where everyone's assuming Nia is going to win, and mm-hmm. this will be one of those those curveballs they throw with the idea that the feud is going to continue between these two. Um, and what? that you're probably going to see a lot of title changes on this show, potentially, even though I'm picking quite a few people to retain here. Don't you think it just sends such a bad message, though, if Nia doesn't come out on top here with... I mean, I guess she doesn't have to win the belt, but she needs to... She needs to, like, look victorious at the end of this. I... I first of all, I, I don't look at the WWE for guidance when it, when positive messages are being sought. But uh, I think if you're continuing this, like, ultimately, I think Nia beats the bully. I think that's ultimately the end to this. It's just a question of, do you do this at WrestleMania or do you do it somewhere else? And right. for all intents and purposes, 
this could very well be Naya's big win is on this show. I mean, the feud's been built well. Um, the timing of it, it makes sense timing-wise to go with Naya now. So maybe as I look at this now, maybe it's just time to do it now. We also have to think about who's going to move to what brands. You know, Are Alexa and Naya going to be split up after this? I mean, Alexa just went to Raw last year, so I don't think she's moving. Um, could Naya be going to SmackDown? Um, well... That also kind of plays into the next title match with Charlotte and Asuka, because this is one where I do see the title changing and Asuka winning. And presumably then, yeah, she's on SmackDown. Mm -hmm. So you could have Asuka going to SmackDown potentially um, during the whole shakeup. I could see Charlotte going. uh, I think you want to have Charlotte and Ronda on the same brand. I could see that being somewhere they go to and keeping Oscar and Ronda apart from one another until you're ready to do that match. So, so Charlotte's another one who just moved la- that last year. So I, I actually, I see Charlotte and Oscar's probably staying on SmackDown. And therefore I think you don't want Oscar and Nia Jax necessarily on the same show, both being kind of those, you know, unde- unbeatable monsters. So maybe you don't see any of these people move. Yeah, you've also, in this build-up, like, you've seen all these combinations, too. Like, Alexa with Asuka, mm-hmm. Alexa with Naya, Asuka with Naya. Yeah, it's like you've just seen all of these. I mean, Charlotte going to Raw, it's at least different people because of the switch, but... Is it, um, though? Because she was just on Raw. Well, um, like, Charlotte and Naya, that's something new. Mm. Anyway. Sign me up. Uh, are you assuming... I'm going with Asuka. Oscar as well. Cesaro and Sheamus against Braun Strowman and TBD for the Raw Tag Titles. Do you have any grand plan oh, over man. who this uh, surprise is going to be? So we I know don't. The Big Show has signed a new contract. Yep, Big Show has signed a new deal and uh, could be on this show. Um, who else do we have as possibilities? James There's Ellsworth. a bunch of guys that are scheduled to return as well. Big Cass is ready to come back. Jeff Hardy is ready to come back. Samoa Joe is ready to come back. Um, who else is out there? There's, it would um, suck if you're a Big Cass and your role was Braun Strowman's partner because no. you're no longer big next to Braun Strowman. No, I think Big Cass is not going to be in that role. Um, I don't like any like big guy. Like This would not be where I would introduce like a Bobby Lashley. Um, I almost think like going the comedy direction is probably their, their safest bet. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. even think an Ellsworth is an awful idea. It's going to get a pop late in the show. And, and I, and I do think Strowman's winning with whoever his partner is. My pick kid rock. (laughs) Could very well happen. Maybe it could be one of the hall of famers. Maybe it'll be, uh, maybe it'll be Goldberg. Kid rock is, (laughs) Stupid enough that it could be, it yeah. could happen. Maybe it's going to be The Undertaker, what? Kid Rock or The Rock? How about that? One oh, okay. Two. Yeah. The Undertaker, Cena, all these options. Um, whoever it is, I'm picking Strowman and the partner to win the titles. Yeah, yeah. Usos, New Day, and the Bludgeon Brothers. Does this get more or less than 12 minutes? Oh, that's a that's a good uh, over-under. Because uh, I... Hard to say. I could see these these guys being, you know, like the group that says, hey, guys, we're short, short, on, t- short on time. Like, cut all your shit and just get out there. Um, 12 minutes seems pretty, you know, expected. I'm going to say over. I'm going to say over. Then that means that I think I think they're going to have a great match because I think if it's anything less, it's going to be very rushed with mm-hmm. all of these guys involved and 
entrances, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I hope they can get like fifteen, but it's gonna be tough on a show like this. Um, I'm going with the Bludgeon Brothers. Yeah, I, I mean, think- there, there's the way out of it here where you can you can have the Usos keep the titles without having to pin Harper or Rowan, but. Yeah, so much has been put on the Bludgeon Brothers that maybe it is time for the Usos to yeah. drop the titles and have a different focus in the tag division. You've run out of options here with the Usos and the New Day feuding with each other. I think one of those teams is going to move to Raw, probably the Usos. Um, and therefore, having the New Day chase the Bludgeon Brothers is probably your your best bet. Yeah. The only thing I like is the idea of... Well, if the Bludgeon Brothers are winning the titles here and staying on SmackDown, I think that guarantees the authors going to Raw. Sure. The authors of Pain. Yeah. Uh, who I think are just completely ready and should not be on NXT any longer. than uh, By this time next week, they should be on the main roster. Yeah, or, you, or at least ready whenever they're doing this uh, shake-up and call-ups. Because you have War Machine taking their role in NXT. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, Cena Taker. Uh, what are we discussing here? The uh, if it's going to happen, where it's going to go on the show? How do you even introduce this? I get. The, I think the bigger question is whether or not. Okay, first of all, <laughs> is there any, even a half a percentage of a doubt in your mind that this match might not take place? Um. Oh yeah, sure. I could see them. Uh, thinking. I mean, it's pretty minute. Like, I think it's happening, and until I see how it's presented on Sunday, I'm going to reserve judgment on whether this was a good idea or not. Could it possibly not be a match and just an interaction of some sort? Mm. I think that's a big letdown after you've teased the match to not deliver it, and they're both there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, th- I think not doing the match at all is kind of a letdown. And yeah. if for whatever reason they don't click and it's just – the audience, for whatever reason, doesn't get into it. I think it's going to show that this was not a great idea because you didn't build it properly. And because so much of those characters are in, like, the build-up to such a match. There's like, no way may- the audience won't get into the match if they see it. I think just the visual of seeing John Cena in there with The Undertaker will be enough to, you know, for audiences to, to lose their shit. Um, but the, the, I guess the other question is, do we, what version of the undertaker do we see? Well, that could be, that's Kid Rock's involvement on the show rather than after he wins the tag titles, he's going to come back and perform American badass. Now, how would that work though? Okay. So that is to suggest that, Hey, the world doesn't know if the undertaker is, is appearing, but Kid Rock does. He's been conspiring with the undertaker this entire time on this grand entrance. Well, maybe, maybe Kid Rock is going to come out with his tag title, and he's going to tell it's John Cena in the front row, "Hey, John, I'm taking up not one but two spots on this show, and someone here is with me." Okay, so what do you think, American Badass or uh, Goth Taker? You see, if it's going to be the Undertaker now, just showing up as a or at least they're, they're going to try to make it a surprise. To me, it's more effective to do the old Undertaker with the the bell sounding and doing... Like, that will get a massive reaction if Cena is just out there and how they set it up. I, I am very curious to see how they pull this off because I do feel we're going to get the match on Sunday. And 
I think this has been a weird build to it, but I don't mind this being so so different. I think we're going to get the American badass. I think it's yeah. the combination of Kid Rock, the fact that he retired the 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 trench coat and hat last year. This is their way of saying, "Hey, we didn't renege on this." Like he retired the look. Wasn't this my theory for weeks and you kept yeah. shooting it down? What what has changed your mind now? Um, have you realized the cultural icon that is Kid Rock? Yes, it it really is that. Uh I think I changed my mind because there's been enough buzz about it that I don't think audiences would be disappointed now if they don't get the robe and hat Undertaker. Well, I think that they have the ability to either do something really memorable and pay off this tease that they have just done right up until the last minute, or I could see this really falling on its face and people just look back and say this was an experiment gone wrong. Yeah, we'll so see. That, there are the extremes, uh, but I do think the match is happening and i think for just the way this has all been built up i i think undertaker's got to win too do you think so hmm. i mean John, john's gimmick is kind of he loses now yeah and he loses this one and then he really does he takes off i don't think so though especially if if the undertaker mm, he's gonna have to like look really good to be convincing and beating john cena because i'll say last year i definitely wouldn't have bought him beating roman reigns he just doesn't look in the physical shape of somebody who should be winning matches at WrestleMania anymore. So, well, it's hard to say, right? He's had another year off. He's another year older. Uh, but you also have like, I'm, I am sure he like, that's been part of the storyline here is the idea that he's not up for these matches anymore. I'm sure that that match from last year, what was not a high point for him that he wants to go out and have a, a great performance um, mm-hmm. that maybe, but listen, I'm five years ago, I'd say Taker and Cena are going to just, they do tremendous. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not as confident in 2018 of these two having a great, like it's fully reliant on the audience being invested in these two and just doing one of those big near fall kind of matches and not doing it. So, uh, late in the show that it, it's also like there's no anticipation now for this match. I think people I think there is a large amount of people that are doubting this match happening that to just put mm. the match out there, you're eliminating the whole promotion of the match because mm. I don't know if people are mentally preparing. for hey, this. The fact that we're talking about it right now, though, like we're spending a lot of time talking about this. So I, I feel like most people are, if anything, they're, they're doubt. Their anticipation for this match might even be increasing because now the anticipation is, you know, whether or not it's actually happening versus, uh, you know, we know the match is going to happen, who's going to win, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like in the back of everybody's mind, we all know that this match is going to happen, but that little ounce of doubt makes it maybe a little bit more surprising. Well, we shall see. You feel uh, your, your prediction. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, Cena. Um, where do you, and you're going with Taker. Um, and where do you, where do you put this in this that, show? Do you put it I late? Ask. I think this should be, it has to be late. A surprise like this, you know, I would even say maybe this would be second from the top. I mean, I don't think Charlotte and Asuka would be able to follow the star power here. So I would maybe say second from the top. Mm-hmm. Like this is a very deep card when you look at mm-hmm. the matches they have and throwing so Cena. So much so that and, Cena and Taker is doesn't even have to be announced. 
And then we go to Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey against Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Um, this one I think you can put right in the middle of the show, and mm-hmm. I think that's fine. Um, there's going to be a ton of interest, I think, outside uh, for Ronda Rousey in this match. I think it's got to go 12 minutes, I would say. And I'm kind of – I'm really intrigued to watch Kurt Angle in this match in a stadium – uh, his first WrestleMania since 2006. Um, like, he's kind of been the uh, number four in this match lead-up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of curious to see how uh, he looks in there w- with Triple H and getting to do at least a semblance of a match, even though he and Hunter are not going to be the focal points of the match. Yeah, no. I mean, uh, Angle and Triple H are basically are basically going to play The Miz and Bobby Roode from tonight's Mixed Match Challenge. They're going to be there, unfortunately, to kind of fill time before Ronda tags in with Stephanie. And that's a little unfortunate, but I think, you know, anybody who's a fan of Kurt Angle and Triple H can probably enjoy what we're going to see anyway. Uh, I think you know, you'll know you get a you-still-got-it you chance, even though he just wrestled on in November. Um, but those two, I think, will we'll have a nice brief interaction in half a match. Um, is there any other finish than Ronda Rousey winning with an armbar? The heels could win. This could be their way of taking Kurt out. I mean, you could do mm-hmm. something where Ronda has the match won and somehow Kurt gets beaten by Hunter. Um, though I just, I really don't like the idea of beating Rousey. I think that that's another one where it's just, you start overthinking things yeah. and the likely outcome is a Rousey victory and this is the annual, you know, Stephanie and Hunter leave television after this and disappear. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, I don't think Stephanie will be continuing a feud with Ronda Rousey in a singles match. Um, this is probably the most we're going to get out of those two in ring. So, yeah, I probably have to go with Ronda. There's a great visual, too, of Stephanie maybe coming out one more time the night after with a giant cast yeah. on her arm. Yeah. And then we have Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. So we're picking Brock and Roman to close the show. You say second from the top could be Cena and Undertaker, which I could see that being, you know, you're going to leave that one till the absolute last minute possible. Yes. Uh, And then Angle and Rousey against Hunter and Stephanie. Let's slot that somewhere in the middle. AJ and Nakamura, are they going... Before oh, Ang- Angle and Rousey's match, or are they going after that? I'll say they'd go after that. But yeah. then you have Charlotte and Asuka. Like, this is going to be... I know. Like, this is very much like a New Japan-style uh, build of a card where you're not... You're eliminating the buffer matches on the kickoff show. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a lot of big matches um, where you're just going to have to follow them. And I don't necessarily mind this for your big show that... You know, if you can't follow it, you shouldn't be in that position. So mm-hmm. it's kind of putting everyone out there to go out. And everyone obviously wants to have that that great match. But the placement's going to be really interesting. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I mean, just looking at, like, these last four, five matches, I think they could all main event, uh, you know, much like you're you're a SummerSlam. So something like a Daniel Bryan versus Shane Mc- and Shane McMahon, um, I, I also see that more in the in the middle of the pack. But then again, you know, Daniel Bryan's return is like probably the second, if not one of the biggest things about this show. I'd argue the biggest. Yeah. So I could see them delaying that one too towards the end. Um, Man, 
But knowing, like, let's be honest, Cena Taker, they're going on first. <laughs> yeah, I would say that one might be a lock for like later on in the card. Um, I, I like the more I look at it, the more I feel like Lesnar and Reigns shouldn't finish this show. Um, but that's just me. Maybe not not how other people feel. Um, but hard to say. I, I but I would say if you ask me now, this would be in the middle of the show. You know, this is going to sound absolutely insane. I realize that. But if you were to start the show and it's Roman and Brock and and Roman beats this guy in 7 minutes, you're getting that babyface reaction for Roman. And it, and then you have the whole rest of the card. I don't think you're going to get a negative reaction for Roman. If he just beats Brock in a short amount of time, I think it'd be memorable. Yeah. I think it would be the send-off of Brock and and then you let the whole show go. I think that's your reaction for Roman, but it's certainly minimizing uh, a huge match that they've built for three yeah. years now. I don't see it really happening because the, the overall importance of the match is, is diminished when you you know put it in that spot. But if uh, the goal is what you want it to be Roman's big moment, do you have more faith opening the show or closing the show if you were to pick? It ceases to be a big moment if it's at the beginning of the show. Um, yeah, it does. Um, you could also put it somewhere else. You could you could not put it in the main event slot, and that mm. may that may make the audience actually happy that it's not closing the show. Mm. Um, what is the final image you think we'll see? Okay, it's Roman holding the title. Yeah, right. And if it's not Roman, then. If it's not Roman, I think it should be, I think it should be Daniel Bryan. The same scene from four years ago you where think he, Daniel he, Bryan and Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn could close the show. Um, my first pick to close the show would be AJ Nakamura, but I really don't see that one. Ha- you know what? That's no. I would probably. Oh, I, I just can't see that one closing. That if would be my was- choice. If it was Daniel Bryan in a singles match, maybe, but I I don't think Vince McMahon will be comfortable having Sami Zayn in a WrestleMania main event. Uh, like from all indications, it certainly doesn't feel like that's what what they they're even considering. Unfortunately, well, yeah, and I don't see Kurt and Ronda going on last either. So, okay, so I, I think it's going to be Lesnar and Roman. Yeah, I agree. Who's who's going to win this? Bryan and. And Shane against yeah. Owens and Zayn. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be Brian and Shane. I think it, it'll be Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Well, um, it certainly makes Brian and Shane look really dumb at the end of this whole thing. If okay. neither's turning on the other. Well, yeah. I mean, but very possible, though. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I'm, I'm, my, my reasoning is that. Um, I feel like it's really so easy for them to like be fired and then go to Raw. I think that's just such a maybe a lazy way. But then again, we're talking about like Shane McMahon, who last year or was it two years ago? Two years. Uh, I'm trying to remember the step now. He lost against the Undertaker. The winner, if Shane won, he'd have control of Raw. Yeah. He lost and got control of Raw. Yeah. So I guess storylines don't <laughs> don't really matter. I mean, it's it. You joke about it, but I, I don't put anything into these stipulations. Like, they don't mean anything to me. And I'm just looking at you've acquired your hottest baby face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is the best way to reintroduce him? 
uh, at WrestleMania. And to me, it's just, again, not overthinking a finish and just uh, yeah. giving people a great moment on this show. It's interesting to see like where, where Brian goes from here, if he will be put in the spot of, of a main eventer on the show or just somebody who's a solid hand in the middle, middle of the card. Um, do they have that trust in him to put him into the title matches and perhaps even win the title? Yeah, well, and that's going to be all the fallout in April is when they do the roster moves and and how these these two rosters shake out because they could be dramatically different uh, main rosters as well. Uh, do a do we know now. when that when that draft is? They haven't announced when it was, but it has been mentioned on TV. So okay. it's, I mean, last year it was the week after WrestleMania. So I imagine it's going to be happening pretty soon. There you go. That is our WrestleMania preview. Uh, longer than anticipated. Uh Let's quickly do some feedback, and then we're going to get out of here. Tonight's yeah. poll way was not rating SmackDown. It was what has been the best promoted match for WrestleMania. And the winner was Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn with 55% of the votes. The mixed tag, 27% and 18% voting for AJ versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Zero votes for Brock and Roman Reigns. Okay. Or the women's title matches. Hmm. For that matter. Okay. Mark from Vaughn. This mania has suffered from a lack of creative rather than bad creative, which I can, which I can live with. Some of the matches like Styles Nakamura and Charlotte Oscar just speak for themselves without much of a build needed. I think the card is strong top to bottom with very little filler other than the battle Royals. Not every mania has a big surprise like the Hardys return last year. But if you had to make a bold prediction for Sunday, what would you guess happens that we are not expecting? And who do you think it's the sitting in the crowd spots at takeover on Saturday? Um, Personally, I think NXT is so bloated at the moment. I hope they don't do the sitting in the crowd spots. But I think that given who's working at Access, those are going to be ones that are going to um, people are going to speculate on. If like, who, who, who are some of the big names? Keith Lee is a big one. Now Walter is one that I think people assume. Uh, could be someone going in, but that guy has a great position with WXW. He's one of their trainers that works there, like has a full-time gig there that he would have to uproot himself uh, from Germany to go over to work in Florida. That mm -hmm. I, I don't know if that's something that he's really looking at doing, but you could speculate those two beyond that. Like they are so full with mm -hmm. talent at the moment that I don't think you need to be, worried about every takeover having all these like we have not even got all the guys from the last sitting in the crowd like war machine isn't even on tv yet yeah. so i i hope they kind of refrain from that and just work on the guys that they haven't even got to tv yet your donovan dijacks here you know no. you've just introduced like ec3 and ricochet that you have so many guys at the moment if bobby lashley is coming back do you think he makes his way through nxt first Oh, I think that guy should be on the main roster. I agree. I don't think I there's agree. any room for him in NXT. He would be, he to me would be my my post mania pro program with with Roman. Mm hmm. Sure. Okay. Uh, it's an interesting question though. Uh, okay. Well, let's see here. Jay from Colorado. Both Raw and SmackDown really failed to deliver as go home shows this week. In fact. Most of the builds have been fairly weak. With that being said, though, it's still a super solid card on Sunday, and I'm looking forward to it regardless. My only takeaway from both episodes, apparently new subscribers to the network get WrestleMania for free. That's true. 
Brandon from Oshawa, I disagree wholeheartedly with Mark from Vaughn. It baffles me how anyone can say that Styles Nakamura or Charlotte Asuka doesn't need much build. The audience is not all post-wrestling listeners. They all are, actually. They don't all know who Dave Meltzer is and what guys have had five-star matches. They don't all know what New Japan is or who wrestled there. We've been told for weeks how this Styles Nakamura match is a dream match, but if you only watch WWE, what exactly makes us a dream match? We've seen Nakamura have mostly mediocre matches on the main roster. We've seen him lose multiple times to Jinder Mahal, who quite possibly is the worst champion of all time. There's nothing at all that proves this is a dream match. The WWE needed to tell the story of these two men. They needed to tell us why these two are friends. Why are they so competitive towards one another? Why wrestling for the WWE title against each other is so important? They failed on all accounts and went with the usual formulaic crap that they are known for. The best part of the show was everything with Brian, Shane, Owens, and Zayn. Um, I can't say I disagree with many of his points. I mm-hmm. think that they they didn't go the, the extra mile um, with Nakamura and Styles. That I think was laid out really well that... They could have enhanced it significantly. It is very true. I mean, you and I are talking about this match as people who are aware that they New Japan just put up the their last match uh, for for the world to see. And I'm very curious to, to hear the perspective of somebody who is not even aware uh, that what what New Japan is, what they think of a feud like this, what they think of a match like this. My assumption is that you know they, they probably regard. Both those two, in particular, mainly AJ, as very good in-ring competitors uh, that win a lot. And I would say perhaps their interest level in a match like that might be, you know, a slightly higher than your typical world title match. Um, But maybe they aren't expecting, you know, a classic like the rest of us might be. Uh, my turn. We go to Matt from Tennessee. I feel like my thoughts on tonight's show will probably echo everyone else's. Just a whatever show. I feel like WWE knows that since they have a potential home run WrestleMania, that they can phone in this week's shows, which is a shame. Just imagine how good these shows would be if they gave a shit. I do have two questions. One, if Taker comes back as the American badass, how well do you think he will be received? I'm sure he would get a big pop, but I feel some people would be disappointed since he wouldn't be the dead man. And two, what are the wrestlers going to point to after Mania since they can't point to the sign anymore? They will stop pointing, and how will the audience receive him? They'll go nuts. Yeah, they will, yeah. But now, how will he wrestle? Will he wrestle, like, I guess he he wrestles the same, either way. Like, even as Dead Man Taker, he still wrestles. Yeah. Same style, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they'll go nuts. All right, uh, before you guys start your own road to WrestleMania in a few short hours, quick thoughts on the Forgotten Show this weekend, UFC 223. What are your thoughts on the new main event, and do you see Thug Rose retaining her title? Um, I am going to pick um, Nami Yunus to retain, and I'm picking uh, Habib to defeat Max Holloway. I'm very intrigued by this card, actually. There's a lot of good fights on this card. Anthony Pettis is fighting Michael Chiesa. Ally Quintus fighting Paul Felder. It's a very good show. I'm sure Way and I will catch at least some of this uh, at some point over the weekend. You can watch it on your phone during a Supercard of Honor. Yeah, is it free? I think you, can't you order pay per views on the on your phone these days? Uh, you can, yes. Oh. Okay, we go to Matt, who asked if Shane's injury is a work. I it's doubt not. It. It's not a work, yeah. but it's. Um, the severity of which I think you can look at and, and wonder 
exactly how bad is it? Is he, um, yeah, let me, I mean, let me, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't think they'd, I don't think they'd be able to trick people to that length anymore. There's no point to have done that either. It's not part of the storyline. It's not as though they're playing up that he's going in weakened or or any of this stuff. Like they're not it's just yeah. Like it's a legitimate issue that he's has dealt with. It's and all, yeah, exactly. There's no end game to this. Like why diverticulitis of all the fake things I, I anyway let's move on we got a chase from new orleans smackdown was fine this week i thought it worked much better as a go-home show than raw i really enjoyed the build between aj and nakamura the last two weeks just telling the story that it's not about a personal dispute it's just about two men who both want to be champion to prove they are the better man it's simple but effective 205 live was special this week and it's entirely because of the main event the opening tag was good but the main event was fantastic it was incredible to see murphy and kalisto slowly win over more and more of the crowd as the match went on all right, and final one here. Charbel from Victoriaville asks, I know that John wasn't really in on the Sami Zayn heel persona because he is a tremendous babyface, but tonight, man, I just realized how good he is as a heel. Do you think it's a good move, even if you said you wouldn't turn him at first? Uh, I still think uh, they really missed the boat on him. I think he had top babyface potential, and as a heel, I think there's a ceiling to where he can get to. But there was a... There was evidently a bigger ceiling for him as a babyface because he was in the Andre Battle Royal last year, and now he's in one of the biggest matches possible, yeah. which, I mean, he somewhat they kind of just lucked into with the Brian situation happening that has made this such a big match now. But nonetheless, um, he's in the middle of it, and this heel run has been uh, his most success he's had on the main roster. So he wasn't going anywhere as a babyface. I'd say the same about Bailey too. I would say she has huge potential as a baby face, but I don't have much confidence that's going to be realized. I feel like Sami Zayn is one of those guys who's so talented. You could give him like any gimmick, anything heel baby face, and he'd probably figure out a way to make it work. Uh, It really is more about how hard he's being pushed. And certainly as a heel now, he's being pushed far harder than he was as a baby face. All right. Thank you to everyone for your feedback. That is going to wrap things up. Uh, we are on our way to New Orleans. So, way we will be back later this week. Uh, keep it tuned to postwrestling.com and follow us on all of our outlets uh, at postwrestling, uh, at postwrestlingofficial on Instagram, and anything else you want to mention, way. Nope, not at all. Just uh, look forward to chatting with a lot of you guys. Excuse us in advance if we have uh, wrestling matches to focus on, but. Um when when there's downtime, certainly please. Uh, I, I this is I think as as big of a reason for us to be down there as as the wrestling is to see all of you. So uh, if you see John, uh, an Asian guy and a white guy, uh, kindly ask them if they are John Pollock and waiting. And uh, and if we have stickers, it. it means that's us. Yes, yes, that's right. All right, goodbye, folks. We will chat with you from New Orleans. <laughs>